Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward, where we explore how to build an eco-socialist world that is dedicated to peace, social justice, grassroots democracy, and all of the other aspects of a Green New Deal and uh, a green vision, and we're talking from a Green Party perspective. My name is Michael O'Neill, and tonight we I'm without my usual co-host, David Cobb. He is traveling this evening, but I'm very happy to have as a guest Gloria Matera, and it's the second Monday of the month, and so that means we have Gloria Matera on. She is the co-chair of the Green Party of the United States, a co-chair of the Green Party of the United States, and she is a very dear comrade and friend of mine. And one of the reasons I love having Gloria on is that while on A Green Way Forward, we try to provide information and resources that are practical for Greens and allies who are organizing locally, wherever they are. But without a big picture perspective our local organizing or activities might become unmoored, right? And so I, we think it's important to bring on Gloria in her position as one of the co-chairs of the National Party because a big picture uh, strategic perspective is just one of the many things that she has to offer. I want you to uh, think about some of the things that we're talking about in terms of how to keep an eye on Green Party of the United States candidates and campaigns, what green uh, state parties are doing outside of your own state, and think about how you can keep an eye on those and how those might inspire you for the local work that you are doing, and also keeping an eye on national campaigns where you can uh, draw ideas and also get involved and make a difference. Uh, I'm really pleased to introduce my friend and comrade and one of the co-chairs of the Green Party of the United States, Gloria Matera. Welcome, Gloria. Hi, Michael. It's great to be here with you. Well, it's fantastic to have you. Thank you for joining us. Um, let's start off with an update on the Green Women's National Lobby Day. Uh, pardon me, Lobby Week. I don't want to give it short shrift. Uh, there was a Lobby Week for full public campaign finance that was organized by members of the Green Party of the United States Women's Caucus. Gloria, we had you on last month and you, you talked about it. We had Jennifer Sullivan, one of the organizers of the Lobby Week, on a couple weeks ago. It happened last week. Gloria, what have you heard? Uh, how did it go? Uh, it, from what I hear, it sounds like it was a real success in, in many ways. There was a, a Greens from, uh, and not just Green Women, but a lot of Green Women organized by um, Green Women in our National Women's Caucus, uh, they did a variety of events that week. They uh, held a press conference on the uh, steps of the Supreme Court. Uh, they had a, actually had a panel uh, talking about public financing. Uh, I can tell you a little bit more about that panel in a minute, but they, um, they actually met individually. They had been setting up times to meet with the uh, staff or the representatives from their specific states. That's why it was so important to try and get as many Greens from different states as possible. Um, and they also have a bill. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that Greens uh, in this country are not used to doing is writing legislation. And so, uh, you know, obviously I, there wasn't a, um, 
a lot of excitement from the Democrats uh, about the bill necessarily. But I think the practice of doing that and putting our demands and our platform planks into legislation shows that when we continue to win office and hire office, that we know how to govern, that there's a green way uh, of governing, which is very different from the Democrats and the Republicans. And so the message loud and clear was only public financing for campaigns, all PAC money, all lobby money, all corporate money out. Now, let's talk about that specific demand. And it's great that these Greens were... uh, exercising the muscle of actually talking to legislators and debating with legislators about what our demands are and actually proposing a bill. Because the Democrats, at least the Democrats in in the House of Representatives federally, they have a proposal for uh, campaign financing. And also, Gloria, you and I both reside in the state of New York, where Democrats in our legislature are pushing a proposal for campaign financing. But their campaign finance schemes all rely on matching funds. And can you explain the difference between full public campaign financing, as we advocate for in the Green Party, and the matching funds proposals that are being pushed by Democrats who claim that this is a progressive measure of retaking democracy from private money? Okay, right. So the the faux campaign finance reform around matching funds is that you know, in New York, it's it's been around for a long time for city for city elections. Now they're looking at that in the state, and it's basically there's a certain amount of money that a candidate must raise, uh, and for each office, it's higher and higher. Um, obviously, it's a, it's involving a lot more fundraising and obviously a lot more bigger donors. And then there's some formula. So if you raise X amount of tens of thousands of dollars then you will have a match uh, of public money. So in New York City currently now, it's, a, it's I think it's a one to eight. Uh, it's gone up from one to four to one to six. Uh, you know, and so in the, it sounds like, oh, I'm, it's, it almost sounds like a, an investment, right? I, I raise a certain amount of money and then I, I kind of double or quadruple or, you know, my money back. Uh, but it's, in some ways, it's almost like a scam. Um, because it doesn't take corporate money out. There are many ways that Democrats and Republicans can continue to get those big donors and those big fancy plate dinners in there. And I think what we, when this first started out, especially in New York City, Greens, um, I think we're happy about it, but I think we never can say it levels the playing field because that's really a misnomer. And I think, unfortunately, uh, some of the liberals and some of the good government groups think this is a step in the right direction. But we know as green steps in the right direction can often take you either down the wrong path or hit a brick wall uh, if, you, if, you, if you go a few more feet. So uh, as opposed to real public financing, which uh, means only public money, that there is a certain amount on the lower level candidates can raise, starting from a in some Maine, for instance, very five dollar donation. You raise a certain amount um, of money in your in district, and then you get a lump sum of money, and so that's what you can spend on your campaign. So everyone is getting the same to start. But I also think that what what true public campaign financing also involves is access, equal access for candidates. As we know now, you get in a debate 
by how much money you have. That happens in the city. That happens in the state. That happens, obviously, uh, in the presidential uh, debates, right? You have to – it's almost paying a ticket. You have to pay to play uh, in many ways. So we And it's an arbitrary that, amount, right? You know, it's, it's kind of whatever – Whatever is the going rate that year, right? Whatever the top two candidates are are raising. So. Right, right. it changes. And so, therefore, um, we believe that all candidates should have access. There should be debates uh, so voters can see everybody. Uh, and also the same thing with airtime, right? How expensive is it? And we know we've done this with our campaigns in New York. How expensive is it to buy airtime? And airtime in New York City where you can reach many more voters is a lot more expensive than airtime, maybe further in a more rural area, upstate New York, where they won't see your candidate um, as often. And so we think public campaign financing also needs to include free, equal airtime for all candidates. Gloria, one of the differences I'm hearing from you between a matching fund schemes and, and full public campaign finance is that with a matching fund scheme, you still never stop fundraising you're going to be fundraising all the way to election day. Whereas with uh, the full public campaign financing that you're describing, after you collect that nominal number of, say, $5 donations or signatures, you get a block grant. And that's all the money you're going to spend for the rest of the campaign. And that means you're done fundraising for that campaign. Right. You have your focus, budget, have your plan. Right. You focus on campaigning. You focus on right. talking to people. You focus on getting your message out. Now, you have run as a candidate in New York City in the past, and you have participated in uh, the campaign matching funds program there in New York City. How different would it have been if instead of doing matching funds all the way to election day, you had actually just gotten a block grant of money, and then you just knew that was your money, and then you could just focus on being the candidate and trying to meet as many people as possible and try to represent the interests of voters as much as possible? I'm glad you asked that because I was hoping there'd be a few minutes to talk about my personal experience as someone who successfully met matching funds twice for city council and once for Brooklyn Borough president. And so, you know, a couple of things about that. One is as an independent candidate running just on my party line, the Green Party line, uh, I had to wait to even get the matching funds until after the primary because the Democrats and the Republicans who may have been on a primary they get their matching funds first. So even though a lot of a lot of effort going into raising the money, it doesn't come earliest is maybe after the primary in September. Uh, I think the best, the lesson I learned mostly was for a Brooklyn Borough president, we had to raise $50,000 within the parameters, a certain amount per donor in a certain district and uh, from Brooklyn and throughout Brooklyn. And we spent so much time and so much money uh, with combination of volunteer and paid fundraisers. That was at the expense and looking back, because it was exciting to make those matching funds. It was probably one of the highest in terms of a Green Party candidate in a long time. But what we realized is we didn't have time to nurture and grow our volunteer base. We didn't have time to do all the things that it's meaningful for a candidate and their team to do when it comes to meeting voters and, you know, developing a relationship in your district. And so we didn't get a, that kind of big drop of money for us, $200,000, until just a few weeks before Election Day. Um, wow. And so that is, you know, you know, we have to find a way to be able to have, use that money usefully, um, which was, you know, mostly put some people on the ground and we did some other things, some quick ads. But I look, looking back, my borough president campaign was really about 
hitting the phones, uh, running events, and trying to make sure we were able to meet that goal that was required for city matching funds. I just want to put things in context because I, th- I think there are a lot of greens in our audience and allies who hear, wow, $200,000 for, for people who are used to running practically zero budget campaigns or just what as independent candidates they can personally finance. They feel like like they could take on the world with $200,000. But number one, um, it's New York City, right? So $200,000 doesn't go quite as long away there as it might in, in places where other people live. And number two, like you said, you didn't get it until practically the end. And and then there's all the um, the accounting practices and, and tracking that goes along with like which donations were matchable and only certain up to a certain amount of money is matchable. And, and you can get into real trouble with these programs uh, if you run afoul of the regulations. And where there is public money, there should be regulations, absolutely. But a public grant in one block would make things a, a lot simpler, it sounds like. Now, I want to hit uh, uh, the point that this was organized, this lobby week last week was organized by the Green Party of the United States Women's Caucus. And there was a really interesting point that one of the members made. So I want to quote from Kai McCoy, a Missouri Green Party delegate to the GPUS National Committee. And then I want to get your thoughts on this. When the largest donors, this is uh, Kai McCoy speaking, when the largest holders of money in the United States are male and the largest number of candidates are also male and money is what wins elections, then public campaign financing is one of the most important issues to ensure the rights of women to be able to run for office independent of the financial contributions of men. Gloria, do you agree with that statement? And do you think the left and the uh, public campaign finance activists generally do a good job of framing full public campaign finance as a, a social justice issue in addition to a grassroots democracy issue. So thank you, Michael. I, first, I want to lift up Sister Kai for that brilliant uh, quote, because I think it really encapsulates what it means. Um, you know, the what's behind having true public financing. It's not just about uh, democratic elections and, and equal access for candidates. And I don't think that um, this, we take that uh, as seriously or think that deeply about it uh, among the left, right? Uh, that it's a social justice issue. Although, you know, in the Green Party and in many of our allies, um, you know, feminism uh, and fighting for women's rights uh, is is a very important kind of front and center. But Kai, in that quote, making the connection that who's running the government, who's running the corporations, who's holding the purse strings? Men, and we know it's mostly white men. And so therefore... Um, women don't have a voice. They don't have other women's voices. They're, you know, uh, a woman working at home, a teacher, uh, a nurse. That's not easy for them to run for office, right? And so I think that it was a brilliant connection, and I think we need to take that connection and that message further into the groups that are talking about campaign finance reform from the grassroots democracy perspective. Well, thank you for that, Gloria. And I completely agree. And I want to encourage uh, everyone who's listening or watching to go to the Green Party of the United States website and uh, look for elements of our platform talking about full public campaign finance, look for statements 
from the National Lobby Week that just occurred and look for more both here on A Greenway Forward and at agreenwayforward.org where you can check out our, our podcast as we develop archives where we talk about public campaign finance and other aspects of electoral reform and other places in the Green Party where people are doing great work on this issue. Now, speaking of great work, I would love to get an update from you on the work going into the Green Party's annual national meeting, which will happen from July 25th to July 28th in Salem, Massachusetts. And Gloria, we're already into April, which I find terrifying. Um, <laughs> the, the annual national meeting is in July. How is that progressing? And can Green still register for the annual national meeting? Right. Well, yeah, registration is still happening, although I have to say that this year for this annual meeting, there's some amazing uh, results happening. We've had uh, 70 proposals for workshops already submitted. So that date closed a few weeks back. Uh, but I think that is probably a, a record in a long time of people that are getting activated, want to share and want to learn at this uh, green gathering. Uh, and registration is really filling up. And so I encourage people, uh, and I know, Michael, you will share uh, that information, but at gp.org, of course, you can go to the annual meeting page and get all the information about housing, about registration. Uh, but we're now in the process of looking at these workshops, um, figuring out how to put together uh, uh, you know, an amazing gathering uh, in addition to having plenary speakers. Uh, there'll be, of course, cultural and social opportunities. We always have a fundraiser where we can have a lot of fun. Uh, so I think it's people need to know it's not a um, for a long time now, it's not a deliberative meeting in that there's not decisions made on a national level. Um, there it, it is an opportunity for the caucuses to come together. Uh, which is really wonderful because you'll find that when the state parties and particularly caucuses have that opportunity to meet together, it starts the process of thinking about proposals, of thinking about campaigns, which they can then bring back, you know, to those who could not attend because we do have, you know, a robust way of informing people online. I just want to lift up uh, Nicole, who's in the chat, who says that her family lives in Salem, Massachusetts. So everybody hit up Nicole and ask if, if you can crash at her family's house. I'm sure that's not <laughs> going to be an issue at all. Uh, maybe there's a party at, at Nicole's family's house. We don't know. That's up to Nicole uh, and presumably her family. And I just want to thank everyone uh, who's watching and listening and participating in the chat. So this is not a business meeting, as you described, but uh, what are some of the workshops or, or other aspects of the annual national meeting that you are looking forward to this year, both in your capacity as one of the co-chairs of the, of the party and also just as a Green who is dedicated to building this party? I mean, well, there, there's some broad themes. As I said, we didn't pick the, the workshops yet, and we're going to probably do some kind of combining and because we want as many voices as possible to participate. But something that we're carrying over from the year before when we were in Utah is to have um, anti-oppression uh, training. Uh, we both have a diversity committee who did some of that training, but we're also looking into, you know, some of the trainers, you know, kind of out in that world to probably come in and, you know, add to that. Uh, we think, you know, we have to be mindful that although we have an important platform and we strive really hard uh, to understand and fight back against white supremacy and oppression, that among our candidates, among our leadership, among our rank and file greens, we are we're brought into a system. 
uh, white you know, patriarchal supremacy system. And therefore, we have a lot to learn and we are not shying away from that. We want to be able to address that at the meeting in several different ways. Um, we know 2020 is coming up. We're always cognizant of offering our candidates uh, skills. I really particularly like that part of the meeting where candidates can take a variety of different workshops, how to be a treasurer, um, fundraising, um, you know, get out the vote and all those kinds of things. The party is very dedicated to doing that um, and talking about the challenges of 2020. And then the other thing is our issues, right? We can always learn more about the issues that are highlighted in our party and how we're able to articulate that. So we're hoping to have speakers who will talk to us about anti-imperialism, about single-payer health care, about climate change. And so uh, I'm looking forward to, I hope, doing a workshop um, or having at least be part of a workshop talking about eco-socialism and the Green New Deal. Well, you've identified so many different opportunities there that I would like almost any one of those alone would be a great reason for any green who can get to Salem for July 25th to the 28th to make that trip. Uh, I got to say the anti-oppression training really stands out to me. The uh, lack of diversity in our party, both in our membership and our leadership at almost every level is one of the most longstanding and ongoing uh, I'd say struggles that we have in our party and and one of the first steps that we can take in a- addressing that gap between our vision and our ideals and the actual reality of our party makeup is to get some training on on how we can, at the very least, try not to replicate systems of oppression within our own organization. So I want to thank you for uh, mentioning that. And also uh, the uh, candidate training, and not just for candidates, but for other key roles in campaigns. That's so, so important. So uh, thank you for that. Now, you mentioned uh, eco-socialism, and I want to transition gracefully and naturally, as can be, to another conference coming up. And that this is not an official Green Party gathering, per se, but you, Gloria Matera, are one of the conveners in it. It is an eco-socialist conference that will be held in Chicago on September 28th. And this conference is open to all Greens and socialist allies who either identify as eco-socialists or are interested in learning more about eco-socialism. Gloria, what is your favorite way to explain eco-socialism to folks who have not heard that term before? And how are you hoping this conference will advance eco-socialism? I think on a very basic level uh, is to tell anyone what we see right now, the destruction of our planet, the, you know, the, um, the mining and extraction of our resources and the oppression of people, most people, but of course we know, uh, and black and brown people and uh, LGBTQ uh, uh, women, uh, even more so the oppression of people, um, the social justice issues are connected because the reason these are happening is the, the thirst for profit and the thirst for greed. So it's capitalism that is the root of what's happening both in our planet now and to the people who live on it. And so that's why we talk about eco-socialism. We want to make sure that we, we highlight the synergy between those two things and that we are fighting back 
you know, against profit, against those who will oppress people uh, for profit and that will take the resources of our planet, which are, you know, gradually depleting and, um, you know, moving, we hope not, but scarily so to being uninhabitable as we know it. It's terrifying. Absolutely. And we have a very short time to build the power that we need to get the kind of corrective action at scale, right? The, the green new deal, the eco-socialist transformation, to to avert that catastrophe. So thank you for organizing the, or co-organizing this uh, conference where Greens and, and allies from around the country can learn from each other and exchange ideas. We really ideas. want to talk, sorry, we really want to talk um, very deeply about what eco-socialism is in relation to when we're talking about the Green Party, you know, and the bigger movement. Uh, obviously, the Green New Deal uh, in how the Green Party defines it and has been defining it for a long time is a, is a big part of that conversation because, you know, uh, some people may know, uh, you know, back a couple of years, last Platformer Vision, um, you know, Plank 835 talked about us being an eco-socialist party, rejecting capitalism. We want to talk about um, the bigger picture in how Greens understand this, how we grasp it, what it means, and how we talk about it in the real world, and also be able to show some concrete examples. So we're going to also talk about workers co-op and um, you know some of the other efforts that are that are going on. Public banks, um, you know, remunicipalizing energy, you know, localizing energy, and kind of producing things. Uh, for the public, by the public, right? Uh, where we have a say over what happens in our communities. So, Gloria, while I pull up the link uh, for the event on where this is listed on Facebook uh, for the folks who are in the live chat, can you talk about some of the uh, speakers or workshops that are currently scheduled for this conference? Sure. Uh, you know, we have some confirmed speakers. Um, Bruce Dixon from Black Agenda Report and also Green Party, Sherry Honkala from the uh, PPERC and also Green Party, uh, uh, Dr. Richard Wolf, we hope will be with us um, via video, um, if not in person. Uh, Kali Okuno from Cooperation Jackson, uh, Jerome Scott, um, uh, just a couple of other people. I'm just trying to pull out their names. There are some possibly, you know, kind of soft confirms. I don't want to put that out there just yet. But that's I all right. We'll leave them wanting more. That's okay. <laughs> Chase Iron Eyes has confirmed. Uh, people may remember Chase from uh, our, our last annual meeting. So all his work at Standing Rock and how brave he was standing up uh, to the courts. But you know, and so there'll be speakers, uh, obviously, of some note, but there's going to be a lot of conversations. A lot of us, just regular Greens, will be participating on panels also, uh, looking, talking about the Green New Deal and the four pillars, talking about intersectionality, uh, talking about some of those concrete solutions that Greens put forward around co-op, worker co-ops and public banks, Um just, I think, and also where the political party, what's the role of our political party? Um, right. And how in the movement and, you know, what does that mean? We've often talked a lot in the Green Party wanting to be the electoral arm of these big upheaval and social movements of, you know, the, the left. And so how are we really doing that? Um, and I think, you know, some of the discussions will be uh, debates, right? Because right. I think that's a healthy thing. <laughs> 
it's a healthy thing. We want to do it in a healthy, comradely way about what eco-socialism is and what that means on, in the big picture and concretely in your Green Party state and in your Green Party local and how you're interfacing with those organizations on the ground. In that concrete way, what would you say is the current state of how Green Party candidates relate to the to eco-socialism as a concept? In your perspective as a co-chair of the party, you are interacting with Greens in different states. Like, what's your sense? Like, are, are candidates, have they really been campaigning on eco-socialism as such since we adopted that platform plank in our national platform? I think that's been slow if we want to look overall. Um, obviously, I don't have a total you know, landscape of everything that's happening uh, across the country. I do think that we can point to, over the past couple of years, uh, candidates running on the Green New Deal and talking about the Green New Deal. And I think this conference and hopefully something that, you know, some outcomes from this conference will make candidates feel more comfortable making that connection. Obviously, some of us in the Green Party have been socialists a long time, long before the party, and we included that uh, in our campaign platform. But I think what I think we, I'd like to see, especially if we're doing, talking about candidate training and having these discussions, is it's not just enough to say I'm a socialist and put that on your campaign literature. Because as we know, the, so someone saying a socialist runs the gamut. Like, it's cool now since 2016 for people to say, hey, I'm a socialist, right? But um, what does that mean, right? What well, policies? What mean? Yeah. And, right. And, you know, that's a whole other show. Uh, but I do think that we want to be able to say, how are we connecting what a green government would be, what's a green vision for this country and the world, and using the the, pil- the four pillars and the Green New Deal as the Green Party defines it is a way to kind of concretize, and I'm an eco-socialist Green Party candidate. Absolutely. Well, Gloria, launching a conference like this, a national conference on eco-socialism, is a big endeavor. How can folks who are interested in this conference support what the conveners are doing uh, to either help promote it or even help with the planning of it? Well, you know, we obviously definitely want promotion um, in terms of the uh, planning. I mean, people that might be writing in right now uh, on, on different suggestions or inquiring about it. But we, you know, we will be rolling out a lot more concrete ways for people to sign up. We'd love people to kind of say, I'm interested in going because there is a finite amount of people that are going to fit in that space uh, in Chicago. So it's really important for us to know how excited people are about doing this. I mean, we're not putting out a call uh, for workshops. It's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those meetings or gatherings that it's not like, Hey, everybody come. Uh, We are, you know, it's like, not like a left forum plenary with, you know, several hundred people in the room, uh, but it is open and inclusive where we're trying to put together uh, what, you know, what the conveners with input from others think might be the kind of important issues for us to talk about and ways for us to kind of grapple uh, with the direction of, you know, of our party. So you're looking for people who are showing up to do the work, who are committed to the idea of at least exploring eco-socialism and learning about it and doing the, the work to that end. Right. I mean, I love that we also say people who consider themselves eco-socialists or want to learn more about it because we're really open to that and hearing what people think about it. Uh, and you know, it's a one-day conference, but 
you know, the, I think the goal should be that some real, you know, there'll be some outcomes around program, around issues, maybe support for candidates, putting some th- talking points together that will really be helpful for them. Fantastic. Well, I am so fired up hearing about all of this uh, Green Party and Green allied activity going on across the country, uh, the, the National Lobby Week last week, the upcoming annual national meeting, and this eco-socialist conference coming up in September. And I don't know about you all who are uh, listening or, or watching, but sometimes I get a li- I feel a little isolated or I feel a little fixated on just what's going on in my town or in my state as regards to the Green Party. And hearing about what Greens are doing across the country and getting a chance to meet with Greens who are doing organizing across the country is so nurturing to my own enthusiasm and my own optimism. And I learned so much from these Greens who've had a chance to campaign and try ideas in other places. And, and Gloria, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, for being a regular contributor to help us paint this bigger picture of what's going on with the Green Party across the United States. And before I give you a chance to give your final thoughts, I just want to ask our audience to check out the website for the Green Party annual national meeting at salem.gp.org and sign up, uh, learn more about the conference and the logistics. And then also I have pinned in the live chat the Facebook event page for the Eco-Socialist Conference in September, and we'll include that in the show notes for this episode for our podcast listeners. And of course, I want to encourage everyone, if you haven't already, to please like and share this live stream and podcast. Please subscribe and go to agreenwayforward.org to sign up to our for our e-newsletter so you never miss a show update or announcement. And also please rate us uh, in the podcast directory of your choice so that we can spread the word about this program, about this broadcast, and about uh, the voices like Lori Matera is another guest that we've had who have so much to contribute to the eco-socialist conversation. And so uh, I just want to emphasize again that uh, when you meet with Greens who are doing work around the country, it's not just that um, you know, you're being better informed as a Green, but that it's really going to inform your work And it's going to support the success of your organizing locally with your party, with your candidates, with the issue campaigns that you're working on. And we have to learn from each other and we have to encourage each other. Now, on that note, Gloria, what are your final thoughts for this evening? Well, first, I want to thank you, Michael, and of course, David, who's not with us tonight, for having this show every week and with opportunities to people have these discussions and bring up these topics from a Green Party perspective. Um, I just just to piggyback on what you said, I think the, the you know the the power of people coming together uh, from the from the you know the lobby week uh, to the annual meeting to this bigger conference and talking about eco socialism, like a bigger picture conference. Um, is really powerful uh, in in many ways. And I think that it can be isolating for Greens, for those of you who are out there, especially in some of the smaller towns and the smaller cities where there's not a robust Green local or state party. Um, there are ways to plug in. There are national committees. There's a show like this. There are so many other ways. And we encourage you to write to us in the national party to be able to figure out how to do that. 
Uh, there are candidates that are cropping up around the country in small places that can use you to make a phone call, no matter where you might live, or to make a donation, or to participate in some way. So um, I think that our message, the Green New Deal, real Green New Deal, talking about public ownership, cutting the military budget by 50% to really pay for what needs to be done to save this planet um, is true eco-socialism and that there are great opportunities to do that. Thank you for this opportunity and hope to see uh, a lot of you um, in July at the meeting and September at the conference. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you for encouraging us to keep demanding more with our vision of eco-socialism and and an eco-socialist Green New Deal. And we look forward so much to uh, having you back again next month. Once again, Gloria Matera is one of the co-chairs of the Green Party of the United States, and you can find her on Twitter at G Matera. That's with two T's and one R. I'm Michael O'Neill, and this has been A Green Way Forward. Please promote this episode to your comrades on social media, and please subscribe to our podcast at agreenwayforward.org. And you can also search for A Green Way Forward in the podcast app or directory of your choice. I will be back next week with my co-host, David Cobb, and we hope to see you then too. But until then... Keep on keeping on. Peace. A Greenway Forward is broadcast live on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time from Dr. Jill Stein's Facebook page. Subscribe to our podcast and e-newsletter at agreenwayforward.org to make sure that you never miss an episode. You can also find us and rate us on iTunes with more podcast platforms being added each week. Our theme music is Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod, whose fine music can be found at incomptech.com and is available for use under a Creative Commons attribution license. This is Michael O'Neill for David Cobb reminding you to please spread the word about A Green Way Forward and to send us your thoughtful questions and comments to agreenwayforward at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.